ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Heel Turn, our live weekly wrestling show and the official podcast of ProWrestling.Cool. It's not just cool, it's not cool. We're here to talk about this past week in professional wrestling, which means we're talking about Hell in a Cell, which was passed this past Sunday, Raw, SmackDown Live, not 205 Live, but the Mixed Match Challenge, NXT, the Mae Young Classic. So much wrestling. I'm Owen, and I'm joining by all of you as we're streaming this live over at twitch.tv slash ozoneonline. So if you're in the live audience, feel free to leave questions and comments in the chat. And I, if it's something relevant, then I will, I'll get to it. How's everyone doing? It's another week here on Heel Turn. A busy week in wrestling, though, because, whew, let's see, we had five hours on Sunday, three hours on Monday, three hours on Tuesday, three hours tonight. Too much wrestling. Plus, there's stuff happening in New Japan. The Destruction shows are happening, and I haven't even gotten to those yet. Which, if you're wondering... We will be covering the Destruction shows from New Japan, but not on this show. We will be talking about them on the Patreon-exclusive show, which will be out possibly next week. That's the target. I've got to get with Trace, and we're going to handle that. There's not a lot of banner going on, so we should you know, move on and talk about the wrestling news. And for the, the person in the chat, don't worry... It's in this section. Well, the big news since someone in the chat wants me to talk about it, it's that 205 Live has moved from Tuesdays on the WWE Network after SmackDown to now it's Wednesdays at 7 p.m., which is before NXT. So now we have a three-hour block of wrestling on Wednesdays because we have to have three hours every night. That's just how it is now. So yeah, they're keeping the name 205 Live despite the fact it's not live. And they're taping it before SmackDown. And if you uh, heard the reports that came out of Tuesday, they taped two matches... And didn't air any of the backstage stuff to the live audience. Which I think is a solid move. I think it's a solid move because adding an extra hour to the live audience. You know, you already have that with the mixed match challenge. So adding another hour for 205 Live would be just way too much. So two matches. It's kind of like how they tape main events before Raw. They just put on the two matches. They don't add any of the filler stuff for the live audience. They just put that in later for the TV. So I think it's a solid direction. The crowd was more lively. They weren't asleep after going through the, the, the whole roller coaster that was SmackDown. So I think it's a smart move. Why are they keeping the live in the name? I, I don't know. Maybe until they get a better name, or maybe it's going to move back to Tuesdays after the MMC is done. Not entirely sure. I think it's a smart idea to just keep it the way it is. 
keep... Well, also, remember the, uh, the MMC is going through to December this year because it's a round-robin style tournament. So, kind of like the G1, it goes on forever. Everyone fights everyone. The A block is Raw, the B block is SmackDown. And I'm, I'll talk a bit about the MMC when we get to the weekly TV because I did watch it. And it was actually pretty good. Other news we have, which is the big news story, is Rey Mysterio has signed a two-year contract with the WWE, according to PW Insider, who are a pretty reliable source for this kind of stuff. So what what I've gathered is that Mysterio has been asking for an 18-month contract, so he's not tied down for a full two years. But the WWE really wanted that two-year contract because it wanted a nice round number. And I guess he finally caved in. So he's officially signed. I'm guessing that means he's probably done with New Japan now. And whenever they get a chance to write him in the storylines, we should see Rey Mysterio starting to appear on WWE TV. My guess would probably be either at or around Survivor Series. Most likely at Survivor Series that we see him come back because, one, you've got those large tag team matches that you need bodies to fill in, and two, it's in California, which is his home state, so it would make perfect sense to have a, a huge Latino star being in that area, so makes sense to me. I believe there's another... I believe uh, the uh, TLC pay-per-view is also in San Jose. So that's also another option, but I feel that's a little too late in the year. Unless you're just ramping him up for WrestleMania season. Yeah, expect Rey Mysterio soon. The interesting thing about this, though, is that they're signing him. He was working with New Japan, and now he is no longer an option for the Madison Square Garden show during WrestleMania weekend. That's a, another huge blow. Because he was in at he was in at all in in that really really terribly paced main event which, you know, can't really blame them they had to get off the air at 11 on the dot. But yeah, I'm curious to see how they use Rey Mysterio. I'm assuming he's going to be on Raw. I think he would fit better on SmackDown. Because you've got stars like Andrade Almas there that you could work with. But it's most likely he's a big name. They want him on the A show. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they handle this. Hopefully they actually, you know, put him in the good storylines. Unlike another older wrestler they brought back. Mickey James. Who she 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 did fine this week, but overall, outside of the uh, the initial Alexa Bliss stuff and the stuff with Asuka in NXT, kind of underutilized. And speaking of Alexa Bliss, our third news story this week is that apparently Alexa Bliss is injured coming out of Sunday. And uh, she was pulled out of the MMC. Derp in the chat says, Alexa is bae and fuck Ronda Rousey. Agree and agree. 
Now, the question is, though, about this, is this a kayfabe injury or not? Because they could, we hadn't heard anything about this injury until Tuesday, the day of the MMC match. So they could have pulled her just for storyline reasons after that violent match. Because she also appeared on on Raw, and she didn't seem to be having any nagging injury, but it could have been a delayed effect because the word is that she had some numbness in her arm. So it's not entirely sure. I haven't heard anything from anyone that I know about whether it's actually legit or not. So I would take it with a grain of salt. We'll see how she is next week. But what's interesting is that this weekend's upcoming house shows, she was pulled from all of them. So, maybe it's real? Or maybe they're just trying to mess with us. Not not sure. Either way, we had Ember Moon replace her this week in the MMC. I, I, hope, she, I hope she comes back to that, because her and Braun Strowman are my favorites. Love is real, and it's these two. And that's if I got for news... Unless anyone in the chat has anything that I missed. And if not, then we're going to move on to talk about this past Sunday's pay-per-view, Hell in a Cell. Okay, we actually do have a new story from uh, our pal Derp in the chat. And he says, uh, Tomato Champs is not in 2K19. That's true. They started announcing uh, you know, additional people for DLC for WWE 2K19, which is a bad video game. Do not buy it. Don't listen to our pal Oscar. He's got bad opinions. You can listen to a whole other podcast about that. But yeah, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, the, the current reigning NXT champion, not in the video game. I think think I understand why, though. And it's really silly. It's because Tommaso Ciampa doesn't give a fuck about people. He doesn't want to be in the video game. He doesn't want you to be able to play as him. He's the best. He's the greatest thing that happened to wrestling. He doesn't... You don't deserve to play as Tommaso Ciampa. Also, they announced that Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae are in the game, and he doesn't want to be in the same game as those two. I could believe that they actually, like, use that as an excuse for not playing him in the game. But if you're looking for an actual reason, I've got nothing. I don't have any sources in, at Ukes or 2K. Because why would I? I'm sure they're fine people. But they don't make a good video game. At least WWE related. So, uh, let's, let's talk about Hell in a Cell. Which came to us from... Where was Hell in a Cell? San Antonio, Texas. And, uh... I'm gonna say this about Hell in a Cell. It was good. For the first half. And then it got bad. Really fast. Like, really fast. So let's get to the good stuff. Uh, 
for some reason on the kickoff show, we had the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match of Big E and Kofi Kingston defending against Rusev Day, which is Aiden English and Rusev. I did not know this, and the the kickoff show is a bunch of nonsense that isn't worth anyone's time since you got already have three and a half to four hours of pay-per-view to watch. So I tuned in late for this match, which is a real bummer because it looked like it was pretty good. And it told an important story for Tuesday SmackDown. So what happened at the end of the match was that Aiden English was in the ring. Uh, Rusev was trying to you know, get a tag in, but didn't work out. Aiden English was put in a submission hold. And as Rusev tried to get into the ring to stop it, he was being held by Big E. And Aiden English tapped out. He cost Rusev Day their tag title match. And we'll talk about when we get to sm- when we get to the weekly TV that this really played into things, and I'm kind of worried for Aiden English's future as a on-screen character. Well, not in the near future, but in the long run. Then we got to the actual pay-per-view, Hell in a Cell, and we started off with a Hell in a Cell match. And then for the people who didn't tune into the internet and watch the live stream of them building the Hell in a Cell, they suddenly realize, oh god, it's like bright fire hydrant red now. Why? That's a good question. And I don't have an answer for you. Well, actually, I do have an answer for you, but you're not going to like it. And it's because, remember when they started doing a bunch of shark cage matches and it coincided with them having a shark cage toy for your action figures I'm pretty sure they're going to have a red hell in a cell thing for your action figures that they want you to buy it kind of sucks for 2k though because I bet they didn't get advance notice and the game's already printed and oh god their hell in a cell is not red whoops Fuck them, I guess. But yeah, it's bright red. And if you watch the match, it's the the wide shots outside the cell are horrible. Derp says day one patch, and I'm going to say, I bet you they don't give a shit and they're not going to patch it. I bet you they're not. They don't patch in, like, updated entrances, I'm pretty sure. When the game comes out, they use month they use months old entrances videos and all that. So I'm I'm gonna say that they're too lazy. They're not gonna put in the money to change the color of one asset in the game. Plus, I hope they don't because, I, like I said, the wide shots looked horribly distracting and it's real bad. Why is it so bright? If they did like a kind of like a dark crimson red to make it look menacing. Yeah, okay, I could see that. Not bright in your face red that makes you look at the the bars of the cage instead of like the action happening inside the ring. And it looks way less menacing being that bright. So, my tip for them, make it make it darker next time. Or just don't make it red. How about that? I didn't take away from the Randy Orton versus Jeff Hardy match because, holy shit, 
Like, holy shit. People were saying, oh, I don't understand why this feud is inside a Hell in a Cell. It doesn't make sense. They're just wasting it instead of on the Samoa Joe versus the AJ Styles match. Well, they proved you the hell wrong. Because this was, like, one of the best, most upsetting matches of the night. Because we thought, oh, Jeff Hardy's going to kill himself and jump off the cage. Not quite. Kind of close to it. But you don't want to do that every single time, because it's kind of takes away, takes away the magic of actually falling off the Hell in a Cell. But yeah, we had these guys beating the shit out of each other with weapons, like kendo sticks, chairs. Brutal stuff. And then... And then Randy Orton got a toolbox. And I saw what spilled out of there. And I went to my friend who only watches the pay-per-views, who's watching with me. And I said, oh no, he's going to put that screwdriver in his ear. And my friend didn't understand what I meant by that. He's like, what, he's going to you know, stick it into his ear hole? No, he's going to stick it into the piercing of his ear and yank on it and twist it. And holy shit. Derp in the chat says he dear, damn near almost puked at, at that spot. Legit couldn't watch it. Yeah. Like, I was watching it because I was busy yelling. Like, not like fun kind of yelling, like actually yelling like, oh god, oh god, oh god, why is this happening? This is horrible. And my friend, legit, just like you, legitimately had to look, turn away and cover his face because he said he was going to get like actually sick from this spot. And yeah. It's hell to sell, baby. In case you forgot, it's supposed to be fucked up. And they sure delivered. And Randy Orton had a, like, a cut on his leg where his skin was falling off. There's, They were bleeding on the face. Uh, it was This was a brutal, brutal match. And 100%, 100% deserved to be inside the hell to sell. And the finish came with Jeff Hardy climbing two sets of ladders, saying that's not enough. Monkey bar climbing the top of the cage to, to get ready to go the slam onto Randy Orton, who was on a table. But Orton moved out of the way. Hardy dropped the height of the cage, going head first with his hands up, so it wasn't that dangerous. Through a table and hitting the mat, and he's dead. They lift the cage to try to get the uh, get the medical people in there, but Orton's like, "No, it's still a match. It's hell in a cell. Fucking count the pin." Referee counted it. Randy Orton wins, and I think we're gonna see Jeff Hardy gone for a while. And it was great. I love this. It was. I didn't like watching it, but I also liked watching it. So I, I'm excited for this. I I want to know where Randy Orton goes from here, after essentially killing Jeff Hardy. Then we had another big match, as it was for the SmackDown Women's Championship. 
Charlotte Flair defending against Becky Lynch. With the story being Charlotte had stolen the uh, you know, the spotlight, the moment for Becky at SummerSlam by swooping in at the last second from injury, making the match with Carmella a triple threat, and then picking up the win. Becky didn't like that at the end of the match and attacked her. Turning her heel? Question mark? Because people don't like Charlotte and people love Becky and Becky getting taking no shit and beating up Charlotte sure made the crowd happy. So I I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you. They, they keep trying to make Becky come off as a heel but it ain't working. People love it. She's a, like an anti-hero. She's kind of like what made Stone Cold awesome? He was rude. He was a badass. Took no shit from anyone. And he got things done. And that's what Becky did. She got things done. And she beat Charlotte. Who rarely loses singles championship matches on pay-per-view. And took the SmackDown Women's title. Refused to shake her hand afterward. And just left. It's great. Becky's awesome. Fuck the, fuck, fuck the WWE for trying to make us hate her. Not gonna happen. The Keeper is a badass, but maybe pivot her toward people we hate more. Which I guess is Charlotte, so I guess keep doing what you're doing. Except make Charlotte the heel. I, get, I, I don't know exactly. Because Charlotte is kind of hateable right now. So I, I think it's working, but also it's not the working the way they want it to. It's it's a mess. But the point is, Becky's awesome. She's the you know the the top person on SmackDown at the moment, and she's got the belt. Everyone wins. Then we got our first Raw match of the evening with the this the Raw tag team titles on the line. With uh, two-thirds of the Shield, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins trying to take the belts from Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, who, with Strowman, are the dogs of war? Because everyone's a dog? Everyone's a dog on Raw now. We got the big dog, we got the Hounds of Justice, we got the dogs of war. Everyone's a dog. Anyway, this match went on for 25 goddamn minutes, and it was... A lot of people liked it. I feel like it was way long. Derp in the chat says, As much as I love Alexa, I think Becky is the top female on the roster. And I agree. Did you watch SmackDown? Not to spoil things too much, but her segment with Charlotte was the main event segment of the show. It is the A storyline of SmackDown, and it and she deserves it, because she's the best. And yes, sir, we, we will get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> we will get to that line. But yeah, this match was 25 damn minutes, and I felt it was a little too long. A lot of people really liked it. I thought it was a little too long. I appreciate the work these guys put in, and, I, and the match was good. I, I just... Would have, like, trimmed off, like, ten minutes or so. Maybe, like, opened more time on the pay-per-view for, like, 
I don't know, the United States champion Shinsuke Nakamura, who didn't have a match. And doesn't have a storyline. I don't know, just a hunch. You know, Nakamura, awesome Japanese wrestler man, has a belt that should be defended. I don't know. They tried to fix it on SmackDown, but he was really just a vehicle for another storyline that he's not involved in, so... Fuck him, I guess. But yeah, the match ended with uh, Rollins having Dolph Ziggler in a suplex and uh, Drew McIntyre kicking him in the face to have Ziggler fall on top of him for the pin. And it was a good finish. It was a good match. Just a little too long. Then in the middle of the show, we had the WWE Championship match. Because despite it being the top belt... Still a mid-card on these co-branded pay-per-views. AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. Another solid match, but... The thing is, the finish of the match was a bit weirdly set up with the cameras. It kind of harkens back to when they did the... Kind of uh, the thing at SummerSlam a few years back. With Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. Where you had the pin and the submission happening. And the the tap out happened and the referee called for the bell even though we didn't call for the bell. And the camera didn't catch it. But me sitting in the crowd did catch it. And yeah. And Dirt points out it's a callback to old school finishes like Bret Hart and Austin. But yeah. But also the camera didn't catch it. Which is the problem. If they would have framed it up that the camera could have saw this, it would have worked better and been less confusing for the audience at home. Similar to the Undertaker thing, where he tapped out and the bell was rung, but the camera didn't catch it, so no one understood what was happening. But yeah, what happened was uh, Joe had a submission on Styles while Styles spun it around to pin Samoa Joe during the hold, and right before the two, Styles tapped out, but the referee wasn't in position, so he counted the three. Fortunately, like, they showed a few replays after this without showing the tap, and I was getting very concerned that they totally fucked this up and didn't have an angle where they showed the tap, but fortunately they had, like, some, like, low-quality camera like, on the apron where it happened. So, fortunately, they caught it somehow. But it got real scary there for a bit that they didn't actually catch this and totally botched this. But yeah, Samojo now has a claim. And it sets up their match at the Australia show where it's going to be no countouts, no disqualifications. There must be a winner. And I hope, I hope this is a good match. This whole Australia show is super weird. But I hope they treat this like an actual like big time match and not a house show match. Because that's my biggest fear. Is that a lot of the matches on this pay-per-view are going to be house show style things. Kind of like the show they did in Saudi Arabia. Which, oh, by the way, I didn't say in the news, they're doing another one of those in November. Get fucking excited for more Saudi Arabia propaganda. 
apparently called Crown Jewel, and they're giving away a, a World Cup, which I guess, you know, the soccer people are going to not be happy about them doing. But whatever. Jeez. Unbelievable, right? Fucking Saudi Arabia. Well, I guess they need the money, the Saudi money, if they're going to buy the Elite once their contracts come due in January. So, no, in fact, I think that's pretty much a lose-lose situation for wrestling in general. Since they're really making a difference outside of WWE. And being part of it, I feel like they're going to be handcuffed and not be able to do the cool things that they're doing currently. But we'll see what happens. January's a ways away. After this, after this match is when the show started going downhill... With the mixed tag team match of The Miz and Maurice taking on Danny Bryan and Brie Bella. And this was the moment where I went, Ugh. Why do I keep thinking Maurice is going to actually do good wrestling? Last Tuesday she proved, no, actually I'm not going to do good wrestling. Because I don't give a shit anymore. Like back in her prime. But yeah, here we are again. The match was mostly involving The Miz and Daniel Bryan with a bunch of side stuff of the women wrestling. And it was messy, and it wasn't good. And I wasn't really crazy about the finish. Which, it makes sense, don't get me wrong. Just, the whole thing didn't... Like, why? Why did this even have to happen? Because we needed to get Brie Bell on the show even though she's doing a bunch of stuff on Raw. Which, by the way, I think going forward, she's going to be exclusive to Raw, since they're seemingly writing off the women on Tuesday. Which is a good thing, because it's just bloating the storyline that we really just just focus on Danny Bryan and The Miz, since it's the big story. But yeah, Maurice sloppily pinned... Brie Bella and got the win for the team, so Brian didn't take another pinfall, but he lost. And now we're leading up to the show in Australia, where we're going to have The Miz and Brian fight again for a shot at the WWE Championship. Why? Why is the why is Brian getting a title shot despite the fact that he's constantly losing all these matches? I don't know. Because logic. What is that? I don't know. I hope this leads in the Miz getting the title shot and then winning the title. Just to piss off Ryan Moore. That's what I would like to see. After that, we got the Raw Women's title. Ronda Rousey, who's the champion, taking on Alexa Bliss. And the match was... Oh... Rhonda's got hurt ribs, so we're going to have her do some bad selling for a bit. But then, oh no, she's better, and also she's going to try to rip Alexa Bliss's arm out of her socket and throw throw this small person around like a ragdoll and possibly injure her. Jesus. Like, she is just brutal in the ring. It looks real good, but I bet it doesn't feel good. And if this Alexa Bliss injury is legit, it's it's not a good thing. 
a very, very bad thing. Anyway, she retained the belt, because of course she did. Fucking Ronda Rousey. Just crushing, crushing it on the Raw women's division. You know, the division has Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks and Bailey and Natalya and Ember Moon and Nia Jax and Mickey James and I guess Alicia Fox. Fuck them, though. Put it on the MMA lady who apparently hates trans people. I, I don't need to go into that stuff. There's plenty of that on the internet. Then we got to the main event. Surely, after a great Hell in a Cell match to start off the show, we'll have another great one, with Braun Strowman using his Million to Bank cash-in to fight Roman Reigns for the Universal title. And also Mick Foley's the guest referee, so what could possibly go wrong? How could they totally fuck this match up? Well, yeah, how you fuck it up? You have, you have Brock Lesnar show up again, who we thought we got rid of at SummerSlam so we can go off and do UFC shit. But no, he's back. And he ripped the Hell in a Cell door off, and then he killed both Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns, and Mick Foley got maced by Paul Heyman. And the show just ended with everyone laid out. Because, sure, that's that's a great way to end a, the, the show and ruin a cash-in, everyone a hell in a cell, everyone everything they've been building in a post-Lesnar world. <sighs> but you know why they brought Lesnar back. Because the Saudi people wanted the Brock Lesnar. And I'm going to be so mad if they put the belt back on him there. Because we, we we don't need Brock Lesnar. We don't need a part-time champion. I don't like Roman Reigns, but at least he shows up. At least it's something where we can hope, you know, have a chance of something happening every week instead of, uh, I guess, see Brock Lesnar in a few weeks. He'll show up for a spot, and then he'll do some suplexes at the pay-per-view, and then we won't see him for another few months. Now, his situation with the WWE, I have not heard anything, contracts-wise. But I'm guessing he's still with the company, at least through the Saudi show. And he looks like he's still training to do a UFC fight, because he's in the USADA pool for drug testing. And he's trimming down to be in fighting shape, so maybe he is going to do both. Or just do this Saudi show and then go back to the training. Not not clear yet what it is. I'll I will throughout the week in the coming weeks I'll see if I can get any information on that. But the people I talked to kind of just shrugged and went, I don't know. He's doing the Saudi show. That's about as much as we know. Don't know going forward after that. Yeah, there you go. That that was Hell in a Cell. Great first half, really bad second half. I would say definitely the uh, the match of the night is the first Hell in a Cell match. Don't watch it if you're squeamish. You'll have a bad time.
if you want a non-squeamish match that you want to watch, I would say watch uh, the women's title match. The SmackDown women's title match. I got the wrong one. Come on. There you go. That's Hell in a Cell. And now let's talk about the... Uh, let's briefly talk about the uh, the TV. Let's talk about the uh, Raw, SmackDown, and the Mixed Match Challenge. Because all three of those happened, and uh, I'm not going to try to go real deep into all of them, because we already taught the whole mess about the uh, Hell in a Cell. And plus we got two more shows we got to talk about that happened tonight. No, we're not talking about 205 Live. Come on. Don't be don't be ridiculous. But yeah. We had Raw, SmackDown. The important things that happened on Raw is Baron Corbin just fucking showed up nonstop and was the worst. But what do you expect? Raw was in Dallas. Why would they give them a quality show? You know, Baron Corbin came in and said, hey, guess what, we're doing the Saudi show. Triple threat with Strowman, Lesnar, and Roman Reigns for the title. Because, fuck it. Also, Dolph Ziggler reenacting his uh, Intercontinental Championship rematch against Seth Rollins, who might not show up. But he did, and he won. And, oh, we're going to have myself fight for the Universal title against Roman Reigns in the main event. Because, why not? Everyone loves Baron Corbin. We want to see more of Baron Corbin. He's not good at wrestling. He's a good character. And by good, I mean really obnoxious and someone you want to hate. But I don't need to see him also wrestle for the championship in a way overbooked clusterfuck that we got. Which involved the shield. Evolved... The dogs of war. I, 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 he even restarted the match and made no disqualification. Well, like what? What was why? I was hoping this was going to lead to him getting stripped of his power, but we didn't even get that. Ugh. We also had Ronda Rousey do an open challenge, which she didn't know what that meant, and had to have people explain it to her. And we had the Riot Squad fight her, and then we had the Bella Twins help, because even though people don't like them, they're apparently babyfaces. To set up the Australia show match, which is going to be the Riot Squad versus Ronda Rousey and the Bella Twins, because why not? And if you ever heard the rumor for Revolution, apparently we're probably going to get Nikki Bella versus Ronda. So, does Nikki turn on her in Australia? Because they're currently slotting her as a babyface. Despite the fact that no one likes them. Besides people who watch Total Divas. So, who could say? And then, on SmackDown this week, what we had was Randy Orton being a total perv creeper. Now, here's the weird thing about this Randy Orton segment. So, we had Tom Phillips apparently get something in his earpiece that there was a 
something weird happening in the uh, production truck. And we cut to the production truck, and nothing happened yet. And then Randy Orton showed up, like, a few seconds later. So, does Tom, like, get stuff from the future? Like, how how did he know that this was happening? We should have cut to Randy Orton already fucking with the production guy. By the... If by logic's, you know, sense there. But whatever. Randy Orton's, like, fetishizing his ear fucking up of Jeff Hardy, and now he's a total creepy man, and I'm I like it. Creepy Snake Man is very good gimmick for him. Just curious where it goes from now. Like, who would be his next victim? Who's another big name on SmackDown that's not AJ Styles because he's busy? Not entirely sure. I'm guessing it's not Rusev because Rusev's busy with uh, his thing. Which, what happened with Rusev this week is that he, instead of doing a tag title match, he's going to go do it himself. He's going to go get a U.S. title match against Shinsuke Nakamura. Why? I don't know. What did he do to earn it? I don't know. He lost on Sunday. There's no logic to that. So we had that match anyway. And Aiden English was not happy about this. Started yelling at an, at a production assistant about how he's the one that made Rusev Day what it is, and Lana needs to be less of a wife and more of a manager. To whoops, Lana didn't leave. She was still there and heard all this. Was gonna go tell Rusev, but Rusev was too busy preparing for the match and ignored her, and had an English sing him out to the ring as usual. So then we had the match with Nakamura and Rusev for the U.S. title. And Aiden English had a microphone and was yelling into it, including Rusev Crush, which is Lana's line, which is fucked up. And Rusev turned to him like, yo, that's fucked up. That's my wife's line. And Nakamura rolled him up. And Aiden English once again cost Rusev a match, which is a recurring theme. But this time, it was on purpose, because in English attacked him afterward, and now we're getting this feud. Because why not? Why not? We also had, on the show, we had the opening segment with Ms. TV, the Ms. hyping up a big guest, and wouldn't you guess it? You know who it was that came out? It was Maurice. Who announced that she was leaving SmackDown. Which was a very random thing. But I'm, I'm thinking that's how they write her off for the show. And write off Brie Bella so she can go do the Bella Twin stuff. They did an, an angle with Brian where they, she faked an injury and it was bad. But whatever. I'm, guess, I'm guessing after the actual attack... An actual, like, hit by the Miz that landed is going to take her off TV, so... There you go. Curious where the Miz goes from here without having his wife to uh, help him cheat. We also had... Well, to set to set this up, 
the bar is getting a, a tag title shot against the New Day at the uh, the Australia show. Why? I I don't know. They lost that No More Contenders match, so I guess give them a title shot at the next show. Don't 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 ask me. They tried to justify it with by Paige saying, "Oh, they 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 worked real hard. Did you get a title shot?" But I, I'm not buying it. So to uh, promote this big match, we had a WWE main event flashback match of Cesaro versus Kofi Kingston. If you haven't watched that old Cesaro Kofi match from main event years back, you should go watch that. It's awesome. These two are great. This didn't like live up to it, but it was still a good showcase of Cesaro, which we haven't seen Cesaro do impressive feats in a singles match in quite a while. Because he's kind of like faded into the background of uh, the bar. So this was a nice, you know, change of pace. And hopefully, because of this match, which by the way, he won, we get to see more single Cesaro. Cesaro's great. He's very athletic. He's a good, entertaining wrestler that should be in the mid-card by himself without Sheamus. Also, the tag division is really flooded. Despite the fact that we just got rid of Rusev Day. It's still flooded. Remember the col- the Colognes? They're still a thing. Remember the the uh, the club? Or the Good Brothers, I should say. Yeah, they're they're still a thing. We don't see to see them, but they're still there, and they should they should be competing in the division. Aside from those two triple threat tag matches we had a couple weeks back, more of them. Come on, let's do it. Also, we had AJ Styles versus Andrade Cien Almas again this week. And they let it go through like three segments, and this match was really good. Like, they gave Almas like a lot here. He went toe to toe with Styles, and it wasn't through nefarious means. He was just talented. And he even got a good near victory by doing a double stomp to the ring apron on Styles, and he almost counted him out. It was great. You should go watch this match if you're going to watch something from SmackDown outside of the main event segment. Because Amos is a star. Derp says hashtag Tranquilo. Absolutely 100%. This match was Tranquilo AF. And the best part is the interference wasn't until after the, the decision of the match where Styles picked up the win because of course he did. He's the champion. They let this match actually happen. And then Samojo showed up. And got ran off. But yeah. I I need to see more Amos. Give him more opportunities. Maybe get him into the main event after the Samojo stuff. I don't know. He is... They are giving him opportunities here. Like to showcase why he deserves to have a spot on SmackDown. And he is making the most of it. But good on, good, good on Andrade. I'm glad that he continues to have his momentum after NXT and after them putting him away for like a month in that Sin Cara bullshit. 
And uh, Derp in the chat says, Almas and Zelina are freaking great. And if he ever leaves WWE, I bet he takes Zelina with him and heads back to Mexico. Los Ingrenables. And I'm going to say, WWE's not going to be that stupid. And they're going to make sure to use him to the best of their ability, which they're seeming to start to do on SmackDown. So, come on, believe in Almas. Believe that WWE will treat him right. Maybe get him into the U.S. title picture after Nakamura finishes doing whatever he's doing with the belt currently. I'm, I'm not even sure. And let's talk about the uh, the main event segment, then. Let's talk about Becky Lynch having her coronation of sorts. Where... I don't understand why Paige had the belt on, you know, the pillow. Because Becky won it and had it on Sunday. But they did it anyway. And Becky said that she didn't want Charlotte to steal her spotlight. So she called Charlotte out. Which is weird and backwards, but sure, whatever. The real reason she called her out is that she could just talk shit on her a whole bunch. And say, put the belt on my waist. I'm the queen now. And she she, she went and told her, the person who gets called the queen on SmackDown, Becky said, call me queen. Charlotte turns away. And then Becky says, bitch. And they fight. And it's awesome. Becky's freaking great. Ah, how can you boo her? How could you possibly boo her? She's such a badass. She's calling people bitch. And she's the champion and she's getting away with it. She's always having the upper hand. I I I I just don't get it. I don't know why they're trying to paint her as the heel cuz she's not. People love her. They keep they chanted you deserve it to her for when she got the belt. The good one good pivot that they did with her character is that after the first week of the turn where she started berating the crowd, she stopped doing that and is just focusing on Charlotte and how much she sucks. So I guess they're trying to make her a tweener of sorts. But really they want her to be a heel. I'm not entirely sure how it's all working out, but she's great. Don't change her character, but switch Charlotte to being a, a heel. And you've got gold right here. I look forward to them having another match. And I, I look forward to Becky holding the belt forever. All, long live the queen. And then, after SmackDown, if you're in the United States and you have Facebook... You got to watch the Mixed Match Challenge. Which I watched like the next day because it's a lot of it's a lot of wrestling on a Tuesday. I I don't need to see it live. I don't need the chat in the live chat with the other wrestlers and all that. And all the other fans are just saying a bunch of nonsense. But yeah, apparently they do a a pre-show for the Mixed Match Challenge with Vic Joseph and Caleb Braxton which just has video packages about the teams and it 
Why? Why do we need more? Just get oh, just get onto the show. I don't need more. God, it just felt like padding. But anyway, the funny part was that Vic Joseph is on the commentary team, so he was backstage doing this, and then he had to immediately run out to ringside to join Michael Cole and Renee Young and, you know, call the action. And that was a funny bit. But yeah. When it comes to the actual matches, the first one we had... Well, first let me explain how they're doing the mixed match challenge this time. They're kind of doing a G1 style, where... We have two blocks, a Raw block and a SmackDown block. And it's round-robin style, so everyone fights everyone. And then, at the end, the person, the team with the most points go on to the finals to fight each other in a Raw versus SmackDown match. And it's cool, and we get to see more of this stuff, and we get two matches a night now. One Raw, one SmackDown. But also, this is going until December, and that's a, that's a long time. That's an extra hour of wrestling that I have to watch every week for the next several months. And don't get me wrong, it was fun. I enjoyed watching the MMC. But it's just a lot. Especially because I also have to cover NXT and the, the Mae Young Classic the following day as well. So, And I gotta write up stuff on the other shows. It, it's just a lot. WWE, could, could you give me a break? I, I, I'm only one man. I can only do so much. I remember when there was two of us, but we don't need to talk about that. Rest in peace. But yeah, the the first match was the Raw match. With the... the top, well, first thing is that every team has a, has a team name now. So... Kevin Owens and Natalia are a team, and they're called Team Paws. Because apparently they both have Siamese cats. And Kevin Owens is like, that's a really stupid name, I don't like it, but I have to go with it because I have no choice. And then they had voting for the new team of Braun Strowman and Ember Moon to determine what their name is going to be. And the the final choices were between Team Strowmoon and uh, Monster Eclipse. And let me tell you, Strawmoon was my favorite. I picked that one. So of course it didn't win. Monster Eclipse was the, the winning team name. And uh, I'm not crazy about Ember Moon, but she... And, and, she was a bit awkward with the whole format of the show, which is a bunch of house show style matches with a lot with the mics turned up so you can hear them like bantering with each other. Some of her banter was not great and very stiff, but her in ring was fine. Strowman was telling yelling at Owens to get these hands, and Natalia's response was get these paws, which was fun. But uh, in the end, we had kind of a copy of what Team Little Big did with Ember Moon getting on top of Strowman's shoulders and doing the Eclipse from up there. And it was pretty good. But uh, Monster Eclipse moves on. They win. I hope this leads to Alexa Bliss coming back and taking the spot back. 
and maybe having a feud with Alexa and Ember on Raw. It'd be nice to do that. But by the way, the finals of this are going to happen at TLC in December, so all this build-up on Facebook is just an ad for people to tune into the WWE Network. Kind of, kind of clever. And I don't totally hate it. The other match was a phenomenal flair. Phenomenal spelled with an F because I don't know. Sure, I don't know why you couldn't do flair with a PH, but it's AJ Styles and Charlotte Flair, which made more sense when Charlotte had a belt too. But whatever. You took they took on a. Day One Glow, which is uh, Jimmy Uso and his wife Naomi. And this match was pretty funny. I, I enjoyed the interactions with the with AJ Styles and Jimmy Uso with them doing the spot where they both grab each other's feet and they sit them down at the same time. And they did a spot where AJ Styles caught Naomi when she jumped to the outside and Jimmy getting mad for him touching his wife, which I don't, I guess everyone on SmackDown is super protective of their wives. It, does wrestling have like a history of you know people not being faithful on the road? That couldn't be it. No, they're just being jerks. That's clearly what it is. But yeah, it was a it was a fun match, and. Of course, the the WWE champion and the person that almost that really ever loses Styles of Flair picked up the win. There's also a fun spot where uh, where Charlotte puts Jimmy into the figure eight, but then Naomi jumped in and broke that up. That's always a little fun to see when the women get to put moves on the men. But of course, we'll never get to see the reverse of that because that would be bad. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the first week of the mixed match challenge in the books. I believe I didn't write this down, but I believe the matches next week are legit dominance, which is Sasha Banks and Lashley taking on Mahalisha, which is Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox, which I think is a pretty fun team because they did one of those uh, those promo videos, the selfie ones. With Jinder trying to do sh- his Shanti stuff, and Alicia just freaking out and yelling. So yeah, I- I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the other teams for SmackDown, I know one of them is uh, the Fabulous Truth, which is our truth and Carmella, which is great because our truth still is thinking that he needs to pin Carmella for them to win. Which is not how it works. Can't remember who they're facing though. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it's not a big deal. But yeah, that's uh, that's the mixed match challenge. I'm, I'll be continuing to cover it every week. It's it's on Facebook Watch if you want to watch it. It's it's not it's not the worst use of your time. It's better than watching Raw. So let's uh, let's move on to talk about the TV or the WWE Network shows that happened tonight. 
Because first up is NXT, which if you didn't watch NXT this week, you fucked up. Because the whole second half of the show was one match, and despite it being predictable what was going to happen, the trip there that was it was a hell of a trip. So let's let's get into it. The first match on NXT this week was a tag team match between Dakota Kai and Deanna Perrazzo taking on Aaliyah and Lacey Evans, which is a match they've been building up with backstage segments for the past couple weeks. Now, the first thing I point out is that Aaliyah is wearing a awful brown plaid design on her outfit, and it's not fun. Lacey Evans was clearly the highlight of the heel team at first, and uh, Perrazzo and Kai were kind of like sharing the spotlight for the the faces. And uh, Lacey Evans has a very vicious style to her offense. Like, she reversed... uh, She had a reverse of an armbar, and she turned to a hard strike to the back of the head, and then she continued to just pummel uh, Perrazzo in the back of the head. And it looked real bad. And uh, I was about to write in my notes that... Yeah, Leah's still not doing anything for me. But then she tagged in and started also hitting hard strikes and, like, screaming. And I went, okay, this is different. She's actually, like, doing something interesting. Well, okay, then. It took her long enough. She does that, she tags out, and then she starts choking Deanna from the outside around the ring post. But the referee having to count to a four... Before she broke it up. So yeah. Aaliyah brought a vicious side. How about that? Uh, Kai uh, had Aaliyah in a hold. But while she was in the hold. Aaliyah was able to make the tag. Which Kai did not see happen. And it resulted with her. Uh, taking the women's right. Right to the face. And it knocked her out. Uh, Lacey Evans got the pin. And the bad guys win. There you go. Aaliyah actually did some character work. Like, she wasn't just a default character, just sitting on, in the ring for no reason, not really doing much. She actually showed personality. She showed a vicious side, and I hope this means that she continues to pair up with Lacey Evans, because it seems to be a good influence on her character. I'm not, I'm not totally against it. So there you go. After that, we had an interview with the Velveteen Dream in that weird style where we have a bunch of reporters holding out their iPhones and microphones and all that trying to interview the Dream. And they asked about him carrying his momentum out of TakeOver where he got that big win. And he said, yeah, I I did do that. Remember a couple weeks later I fought Johnny Failure and I beat him despite him recently being in an NXT title match. So, whatevs, I'm still the greatest. And then they asked about the attack on Aleister Black and his thoughts on it. And here's the thing, you don't you don't ask Velveteen Dream about other people because it's all about the dream. He was very offended and he just walked on off. Good on the dream. 
Then we had Jackson Riker versus Herberto Carrillo. Jackson Riker being the third member of the Forgotten Sons who recently picked up a win on NXT. When I wrote my notes for this match were this 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 is a boring squash match that went on way too long and Riker won with a slingshot powerbomb. But not not really much to discuss there. After this we get Candice LeRae being interrogated by William Regal. And uh she mentioned that she didn't see anything. But she alluded that like wouldn't someone who'd done this be like a vicious, like hateful person with no soul who has a tendency of attacking people? To which Regal goes, Yeah, I already interviewed Champa. He's he's clear. He didn't really do anything. To, like, give us evidence to believe it was him. So, nice try. However, your your uh, your husband has been kind of weird lately. Not in a good headspace. And then she gives an alibi that, that after the triple threat was announced, they he went immediately to the locker room, packed up, and they left together. Which I don't believe. I think Johnny might have actually done it. Because the dark side is taking over. Then after this, we get a we get a uh, a graphic for a match that I'm very excited to see. Next week on NXT, Otis Dozovic versus Tomato Champs in a non-title match. It's happening. Get excited. Tomato Chance is going to get his. I really am looking... I'm legitimately looking forward to this match because Otis Dozovic is such a weirdo. And I feel like he is going to just do a bunch of trash talking and make Tomato Champs very confused and very upset during this match. Give, give it to me. Give me the Tomato Champs. I wonder if Dozovic those, those will actually bring out like a tomato during the match and throw it at him. I think that'd be pretty good. Then we get to the main event. Champion versus champion. Ricochet defending his North American Championship against Pete Dunne who's defending his United Kingdom Championship. That's right. Both belts are on the line. Someone is going to walk out of here with both belts. And I said this the moment they announced this match. I said, I know what's going to happen. And spoilers, it happened. But we'll get to it. Uh, Ricochet and... uh, We have a chance of Ricochet and Bruiserweight at the same time. Before they even announce the uh, competitors. So this crowd is hot, and they were hot throughout the whole match. They ate this up, and you know what? I ate it up too. This match was incredible. This is, outside of the finish, this is a high contender for match of the year. I I would go so far as to say it's up there with the G1 matches. 
I don't think it's going to surpass them because of the finish. But it's in it's in their company for sure. Uh, Pete Dunne starts doing his joint manipulation, and I hate it because it is the worst. I don't don't bend his wrists and his fingers like that. That's not that's not how wrists and fingers go. Oh God. I saw him do it in person once, and I was very upset. I yelled at him. I said, why you do that? Fingers don't go that way. Don't do that. Uh, Ricochet, instead of doing the high-flying stuff, he starts doing some leg holds and submission holds to uh, prove that he's can do, he can do anything. He's the one and only, guys. Uh... Derp says I should have yelled Pita very loudly. He hates that. I, I was too busy yelling, oh god, his fingers. Because Pete Dunn is just, ugh. Ugh, man, it was not, it's not great. It's not great to see him do this part where he breaks the fingers. Even though you know how he does it, but still not, not, not fun. I say, not fun. He says, a progress just uploaded the WXW progress shows, and I am so ready to binge. You you do that. You enjoy, you enjoy your uh, your British wrestling. And I have enough wrestling to watch right now. I, I just can't. I have to I have to watch those destruction cards. And those are going to take up my weekend. Because for our Patreon subscribers, I'm, I want to plug again, me and my pal Trace are going to do a recap and discussion about the three destruction shows on New Japan World. That'll hopefully go up next week. And it's for our patrons. It's our monthly exclusive podcast. So, if you're not subscribed, make sure you check out our Patreon at patreon.cool. There's your cheap plug. Anyway, back to this match. It's really freaking good. I, I get to a point where I just... Right, that I can't write notes about it because so much is happening and all of it's amazing, and it's not worth my time to write it down. Instead, you should watch this match because holy shit! Like I wrote here in all caps, Jesus done obliterated Ricochet with a forearm. Ricochet starts uh, mixing some strong style strikes with his uh, his flippy stuff, like his. Bouncing off the ropes and uh, rolling around moves. The crowd starts chanting fight forever. Because yeah, this match is going on forever and it should never end. It went on a good like 35 minutes this match. It was really good. Uh, see. Done forearms ricochet in midair after jumping off the top rope. And then he tries to pin him after an X-Plex. But he gets two. There's a lot of spots where they just beat the holy hell out of each other and they go for pins and it should be a three in any other match, but it's not in this one. This match... Damn. Go watch this match. I'm going to tell you how it ends and you're not going to like it. But, and I knew it was going to happen because it's so goddamn obvious. But go watch this match. Uh, what happens at the end is that when they're both down, the Undisputed Era show up, 
and attack them for the uh, the throw the match out. Because really, what were they really gonna put one two belts on one person in NXT? No, they weren't gonna do that. So they had to have an out, and of course, undisputed era were gonna be the out because they hate both of these guys. The War Raiders came in, chased them off, and that was it. That was the show. They just ended with Pete Dunne and Ricochet stumbling around the ring with their belts, and that's it. But for real, I'm not joking. Go go watch this match if you had the WWE Network. You are doing yourself a disservice if you like professional wrestling. I... I think Ronaldo almost passed out from all the yelling he was doing, and I almost passed out from all the yelling I was doing. It's just great. Wrestling, this this was one of those moments watching this match where I went, yeah, wrestling fucking rules. I love wrestling. Which is not a thing I do often when it comes to WWE product. But there you go. So that was it for NXT. Let's uh let's move on over to the May Young Classic. Which was what aired after NXT. And uh we had four more matches in the first round, including one that Derp, you probably have seen many times before. The first one we got was Caitlin making her return to WWE. Taking on Kavita V. So Kavita V, uh, she competed in the in the tournament last year, and she was in the Battle Royal at WrestleMania. It, and get derp, yes, that match too, but that's not the one I was talking about. So yeah, uh, Kavita V, uh, her thing is that she is a powerhouse, Caitlyn. She debuted in WWE eight years ago and is a former champion. She spent the last four years away and she dealt with some, you know, personal problems and a real messy divorce. But she's back and she's more focused and she's ready to, you know, kick ass. The match starts off with uh, Gavita refusing to shake hands and the crowd chanting welcome back at Caitlyn. Then we get... My favorite line of the night from Michael Cole. He he brings up uh, Caitlyn making her WWE debut in season three of NXT when it was the the uh, you know the the competition show, and he mentions yeah the I was on commentary for that and our whole job was insulting all the women during the whole show, and. Look how far we've come there. We've th- This company has come a long way since then. I went... But it's still the same fucking company. It wasn't that long ago. Come on. At least you're pointing out that things were fucked up. And Cole's not just oblivious to this. But jeez. Oh, boy. That would be... I mean, also, remember that you're... You may be doing this Women's Evolution show, but you're still doing the Saudi Arabia show. So really, it's, eh, it's still not still not all the way there, guys. Uh, K- Caitlin looked impressively comfortable in the ring, 
even though she's been away for so long. And uh, the biggest thing to point out is that she hit a spear to get the win. And Yo actually hit and looked impactful and like a damn good spear. She got the pin and she wins and she moves on because of course she, of course she is. They weren't going to bring her back for one match. But yeah, a, a nice outing for Caitlyn. Welcome back. After that, we had Tony Storm versus Ginny. Which, if you're a fan of Progress Wrestling, you're very familiar with these two, and very familiar with these two competing against each other. But if you're not, Ginny, she is a fashionista. She's fabulous and fashionable. She has a ruthless style, and will go to any length to win. And as Derp says in the chat in all caps, Queen versus Princess. Excuse me, there's only one queen in WWE, bitch. Thank you. Tony Storm, she made it to the semifinals last year and lost to Kyrie. She's back and can't let herself or her fans down. She's a rock star, and it's Tony time. Derp says that she would love to see Becky versus Ginny. Yeah, let's let's do it. Make it happen. I mean, Ginny is signed to the WWE UK and Becky is from Ireland. It could happen. Just saying. They are in the same company. So, I point out here that I saw these two compete at the Progress Show in Philadelphia as six-woman tag, so I know for a fact these two don't like each other very much. And right from the get-go, you can tell these two don't like each other very much. Uh, I didn't really write much about the show about this match because it was kind of just a rest, a good wrestling match. It wasn't anything like flashy or special. But then again, it's the first round, and these two have done plenty of these matches in the past, so it's just them doing a match that they've done before until Ginny all of a sudden busts out this crazy submission hold that she rolls her into that kind of looks like a, a downward surfboard. But she's kind of like riding her like a sled. And like has her feet and her hands all tied up. And is like pulling off from the back. It, it looks cool. I don't know how to describe this move. But it looked real good. And it looked like Tony really couldn't do anything to get out of it. Though she eventually did escape. And uh, Tony hit a, a sick snap German, and then she hit her in the corner and went for the Storm Zero, which is a Tiger Driver, and she got the win. So now Ginny's out of the tournament. She can go fight Becky Lynch. Everybody wins. I mean, Becky doesn't have a match for Evolution. We could get Ginny versus Becky. Thinking emoji. After this, the next match we had is uh, Karen Q versus Xia Li. Xia Li is the first female Chinese superstar signed to NXT. Her in-ring style is like a Chinese martial arts 
and she describes herself as she is spicy, and you will feel the heat. Sure. Karen Q, she can speak three languages, uh, has a bachelor's and a master's degree, so she will outsmart the competition. Boom. Education, son. So, uh, I, I point out that I like Zaya's kung fu entrance, because she's doing some kung fu stuff, and she busts out this cool fan. Yeah. What's crazy is, uh, that the commentary points out that she only has about an, a year of English under her belt, and she speaks it pretty fluently. Damn. I wish I could learn a language that fast, so... Don't don't count her out with smarts. So then we get to the match. The bell rings, and instead of doing the handshake, they do a a like a karate bow, and then get into fighting poses. And the crowd loses their goddamn minds because oh shit, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have like a Tekken match ha- breakout right now. Holy shit! And yeah. They just started doing some martial arts stuff to each other, and it was rad. Like, they even, like, bowed again out of respect for each other afterward. And then it devolved into an actual wrestling match after that. But it was a real hot open to this match. I really enjoyed it, and so did the crowd. Hell yeah. The match is all about the hard strikes. Uh, and I actually write, yeah, this match is rad. Zaylee <laughs> hits a slew of kicks. And the finish comes with Karen missing a frog splash. Zaya getting up, recovering from that. Hitting the ropes and doing a, a flipping kick to the back of the head. Knocking her out, getting the pinfall, and the victory. Both these two were great. I... We, we need more of this. More of this kind of, like martial arts style of wrestling. It's unique, it's entertaining, and it mixes in some some strong style with it. I'm 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 all for it. This this was excellent. Then we get to the main event. It's the match that Derp's excited about in the chat. It's Mia Yim versus Allison K. Allison K, she's uh, called the Savage. She says, AK don't play, and she gets her inspiration from Bad News Brown. Mia Yim points out that these two have some history, including that time when she totally obliterated her nose, which they have a photo of, and oh god, she doesn't have a nose, and there's just blood everywhere. It's oof. They had to make that picture black and white. So yeah. And uh, she points out she was in the she was here before, and uh, she's not playing around. Especially against this person. Derp says, straight up jacked her face up. I'm assuming you saw this match where this happened. Because I only saw the result, and oh boy. Bad news. That looks like something that had her out for quite a while. So uh, the match starts off with them rolling around on the mat, punching each other in the face. Uh, Derp says that the, the match went from 0 to 100 real quick, 
and AK don't fucking play. Hashtag pinkies up. She indeed had her pinkies up because she's fancy as shit. And it was this. This was cool. This these two are great. They had a really great chemistry. I I can understand why you're hyped for this match. So yeah, they start off rolling around, striking each other. Uh, the fight goes to the outside with some hard chops by Allison. Y- Yim Yim uh, gets into the ring to escape from it. Except instead of escape, she just hits the ropes and dives back out and hits her again. So these these two don't neither of these two play. This was a hard hitting affair being taken all around the ringside area. And then, oh fuck. A Yim goes to chop uh, Kay while she's up against the ring post. And uh, Kay gets out of the way. And uh, Yim's hand goes very hard into the ring post, making a really bad sound. And the commentary's like, oh fuck, she broke her hand there. Oh god. Did you hear that? That's not. You're not. That's. Ooh, boy. It looked, it sounded real bad. And, uh, the only problem is that she kind of sold it for the rest of the match. There were some spots where I'm like, I don't think she should have use of her hand here, but she's doing it anyway. So that kind of took a little bit away from the match, but she did sell it at spots and it did help the match. Such as when, uh, Yim had a, uh, an arm bar on and... They they point out that uh, Kay was able to get out because she didn't have the full strength of one of her hands. Uh, I I write a bullet point that just says this is good. So yeah, <laughs> this was a good match. Uh, Yim hits a six sunset power bomb, but only gets a two count. And then there's a, a spot where they both. Do a uh, a high kick to each other's heads and knock each other out. And the crowd is loving it. As was I. Uh, then Mia Yim hits, the, hits uh, Soul Food. Which looks like she's on the top rope with the wrist control. And kind of just falls down. And it didn't look clear what it was that she hit. I don't know if it was just she hit it sloppily or... If this is just how the move goes, but it looks kind of weird. But, uh, yeah, K went down from this, got the pin, and uh, Mia Yim wins and advances. Hey! So, yeah, this was a, another solid episode of the uh, Man Classic. I've really been enjoying these. And, and I wish this was the one that was going on for several months Instead of the uh, MMC, but whatever. I'm going to enjoy it while I can. As for my match of the show, um, hmm. Derp, Derp says uh, K loses at the NYC M- but wins the Shine Championship, the belt she's been trying to win since the beginning of Shine. I think AK will be okay. Fair. I'm guessing that also means that she hasn't signed with WWE. That's interesting. Because uh, Mia Yim already has... uh, I'm pretty sure she's already signed with NXT. 
I'm going to say that my match of the night was uh, Karen Q versus Zia Lee. Because I liked the combination of the uh, Chinese martial arts with the strong style that they provided. And they had a fun progression of the match, and I really enjoyed it. Not, this doesn't. I'm not saying the other matches were bad. I think the main event was freaking awesome. But yeah, I'm gonna say that's my that was my match of the night. You can't go wrong with anything on this show, really. So yeah, that's the man classic. Women's wrestling is pretty good. Go figure. And I'm gonna say that that does it for uh, for heel turn. The production of ProWrestling.Cool. It's not just cool. It's dot cool. We have a website, which is ProWrestling.Cool. It's an actual URL. It's not just a tagline. You can actually type ProWrestling.Cool into your browser. It'll take you to a website where we have write-ups on SmackDown. We have st- win-loss statistics uh, tracking on there. We have hot takes from our pal Michael, who put on who's put is who started putting them back out again last week. He did one about All In. It was it's very excellent. It's a good read. Make sure you check it out. You can also find this podcast on there, and you can find this podcast also at ZoneCast.com, which is a website full of podcasts, including this one, I'd Rather Not, which is a comedy. Show about would you rather questions. This week's episode coming out on Friday is a goddamn nightmare. Don't listen to it around children or any sane person, really. It it goes into really weird places. Uh, we also have the Takes Bakery, which is a podcast no one should listen to because Oscar is is a monster. I make him read a disclaimer before every episode, pointing out that he is indeed a monster. It's true. We, uh, we're going to start recording more episodes of that next week, so buckle up. Derp says, do not listen to Taste Bakery. It will make you hate everything. I can't wait to have you on an episode to uh, help me out with, with a, uh, a certain topic. We can discuss that later off the air. <laughs> also, we have a Patreon. At patreon.cool. That's the actual URL that I bought. Because I get away with weird things. But yes, if you go to patreon.cool, it'll take you to the prowrestling.cool Patreon, where for just a dollar a month, you get the show notes for this and every episode of Heel Turn. And then the 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 price the, as the price goes up, the, the rewards get better. The one you really want to look out for is the $9.99 a month tier, which if you will give us a WWE Network subscription, we will give you a special bonus podcast along with all the other rewards every month. This month, me and my pal Trace are going to watch the destruction shows from New Japan, and we're going to talk about them. I haven't, I still haven't watched them yet because I've been so busy, but... By, by next week, we will try to get that podcast out. And it includes Tomohiro Ishii versus Kenny Omega for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And it includes uh, a match that is happening this weekend. 
which is uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazuzuka. Whatever. I've been talking for a long time. It's Okada versus Tanahashi. It's for the uh, the shot at Wrestle Kingdom. It's it's good. It's gonna be a great match. I can already tell. But you should watch the match they did in G One. It's already or any match they've done. It's always great. Japanese wrestling. Check it out. Yoshihashi versus the briefcase. <sighs> Dang. That, that, all right, I, I'd watch that match. Damn, now I'm excited. So yeah, Patreon.cool, 9.99 tier, you get that. You also get our coverage of the G1 that we did last month. It's very good. So there you go. That's it for heel turn. I've this was a long episode. I don't usually go this long when I'm solo, but we had a lot to talk about, and we had excellent people in the chat. Huge shout out to Derp for uh, being here live and giving me some fun commentary to the chat with. Much appreciated, sir. Thank you so much. And we will be back next week with another episode of Heel Turn. Hopefully it'll be a shorter episode. But then again, WWE puts out so much, so who can tell? Who could say? That's it. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And until next time... This podcast is a part of the Zonecast Network, produced and edited by Owen Douglas. Find more of our shows at zonecast.com.